Good morning again and welcome. My name is Craig Thompson. I didn't introduce myself earlier. I'm the senior pastor here and it is our privilege to have you gathered with us as we've come together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Luke chapter 2 beginning in verse 8. As you turn, let me just give you a couple of things. Um, We do have a business meeting right after the service this morning. If you're a guest with us this morning and you want to sit through that, you're welcome to. They are not uh, ugly or mean or unenjoyable. We don't fight here. We have a good time and we celebrate God's goodness. But you would probably rather get on to lunch. So um, as soon as service is over, I will be at the back and greet any of you uh, who are leaving. Um, We will take just a brief break and allow you to go collect your children so that the people in the children's building and the nursery don't have to tolerate them while we do a business. We even invite our kids to the business meetings. That's how excited we are about the confidence they'll go well. So uh, uh, anyway, uh, we do have that. We also this afternoon have an outreach event uh, that we've scheduled uh, and been talking about for some weeks now. So at 4 o'clock this afternoon, we're going to meet right here in the sanctuary. We'll give you some marching orders and give you a few supplies that you'll need. Um, uh, Kevin has, has put together and, and we'll have everything done for a prayer room in the side over there. For those of you that might want to participate but that just don't think you can get out and walk, um, there, there, there's, a, there's a prayer guide for you and, and you all will, will gather uh, before everybody, or when everybody heads out in the library area. Uh, Adam has got maps laid out for everybody else and we'll divide up into teams. Uh, and uh, we, we've got plenty. So please plan to be here if you can at 4 o'clock this afternoon as we try to just get out into our community. We're going to knock on doors. Uh, We're going to offer to pray with folks. We're going to invite them to come to our church. And if we have opportunities, we're going to seek opportunities to share the gospel with those folks. Uh, We're we're not going to go and kick their doors in and be high-pressure salesmen. We're going to go love on them in the name of Jesus and offer them the living hope that we have that is the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right? Hopefully by now you've made it to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's word. Sometimes at Christmas, I kind of want to be like Linus. I just want to drop my blanket and recite it. Beginning in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that we would be amazed by the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That the birth of Jesus would not become a mundane memory, but Lord God, an amazing and exciting event to be recollected, to be retold, and to be revisited. And Lord God, that the very birth of Jesus in our own lives and our salvation 
would be a story that we would share with the nations. Lord, be at work among us and in us today and through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to do something pretty different. Maybe something you haven't done in some time. I have a stopwatch. You have two minutes. And in two minutes in silence, we're going to take two minutes of silence this morning. And I want you to recollect and to remember your favorite Christmas memory. Maybe there's two of them. Maybe there's three. But you have two minutes. Remember your favorite Christmas memory. What do you remember? Some of you cheated. Some of you weren't working hard. Some of you closed your eyes and watched you. You didn't see me, but I could see you. What do you remember? Some of you are smiling more now than you were two minutes ago. Psst. You remember the smell of cinnamon apples, maybe? Maybe you remember the prick of a Christmas tree as you unloaded it from the truck or the pine rosin on your good shirt that you forgot to take off before you unloaded the tree. Maybe you remember the sound of your grandma's laugh or the taste of your mom's ham. Do you remember the sound of a puppy's bark that you got on Christmas morning? Maybe the smell of your first car. One of my favorite Christmas memories is Evangela standing in the doorway every year making our kids smile. I don't know how we'll do this in our new home, but in our old house, the Christmas tree was in the living room. 
And so we could kind of create a funnel there. And she would stand there with her camera and make them all stop. And she wouldn't allow them into the living room until they all stopped and smiled for a picture. I couldn't see them. I could just see her and hear them. Oh! And she's like, nope, nobody's moving until you smile. When you remember something, you see, it's, it's more than cognitive recall. In a shadowy sort of way, you re-experience that thing. You rehear the laughs. You see, or you re-see and re-smell the Christmas ornaments because Christmas ornaments have their own certain scent about them, don't they? Their own sort of texture. Because we think about an ornament and we only see it, but maybe you forget that when you pick them up, some of the glitter rubs off on your fingers. Right? But when you start to really think, you remember that after you hang Christmas ornaments, you have to sweep up or vacuum around the tree because they make a mess, don't they? And when you open those boxes, maybe they smell like the attic. Or maybe they smell like Christmas from three years ago. Or maybe they're the ornaments that your parents passed down to you and they smell like your mom and dad's house. See, when you retaste a cake, you also remember its texture and the person who made it. You might even remember the feeling you had when you ate it or that you ate it at somebody's house who buys whole milk and you only have skim milk at yours and it was amazing. We have whole milk and we would invite you over for cake anytime. See, it's difficult to capture a memory with words, but we don't do them justice when we make them bland. People don't get excited about your Christmas tree, but... If you tell them how it filled the house with its aroma or how it was too tall and poked a hole in the ceiling or how it was too expensive but the kids begged for it and you finally gave in because their smiles or their whines or their cries or their aggravation was just too much, then people might care. They might get excited about a story that excites you, about a memory that compels you and almost seems to control you. See, when it comes to the gospel, why aren't people amazed like the shepherds were? Why aren't people amazed by the gospel today? Maybe it's because we're not telling the story the right way. Maybe we're telling the gospel as a tired old story instead of a vibrant and amazing message. The shepherds had good news of great joy and they shared it. They heard the news, they acted on the news, they told the news, they were affected by the news. The birth of Jesus was a big deal. They knew it and they made sure that other people knew it. Do you know that it's a big deal? Do you remember that it's a big deal? As we think about memory in the Bible, remembering is more than mental recall. It involves emotion and volition of the will as well as cognition. Bruce Waltke helps us this way. when He he says that when God remembers, he blesses. His mind, that is God's mind, emotions, and actions favor the object of his attention. When the Bible says that God remembers, we need to remember that God never forgot. So when the Bible says that God remembers, what it's helping us to understand is that God is focusing, directing his blessing upon his people. We capture some of this idea of remembering when a child waiting for a cupcake screams, Remember me! Don't forget to bless me, to favor me, to honor me. The opposite of remembering is forgetting. In the Bible, forgetting is more than a lack of mental recall. Forgetting is parallel to forsaking or rejecting. Today I'm preaching to you the same old Christmas story. 
the one that you've been hearing since you were children. But I'm preaching it with the hope that you will not only hear it, but that you will remember it. In the biblical sense. Remember the experience, reflect upon, re-experience what you had when you first understood the Christmas story. When you first understood that Jesus came and lived and died. And I hope that you'll remember when you had the same experience as the shepherds of first meeting Jesus. When you just couldn't get over it. When it was just almost too much to comprehend. I can still remember how hard and fast my heart beat on that night when the Lord Jesus Christ made aware to me my sin and my need for a Savior. I can remember it seemed as though my heart would jump out of my chest. As a child, only thing that I knew to compare it to was the book of Revelation. When Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And in my childlike mind, I thought, This must be what it's like because I think my heart is going to beat out of my chest. See, I don't just want you to recall the Christmas story to memory. I want you to re-experience the joy of your salvation emotionally, volitionally, and cognitively. I hope that your past can be brought forward into the present and that you will walk away compelled to share the gospel in the way that you experienced it. In a life-altering, life-changing, life-saving kind of way. I want you to tell the story of your salvation as if it actually happened. As if it actually changed your life. The Bible says you were brought from death to life. Folks, we have a lady in our church that is laying in a hospital at death's door. If I get a call today that all of the doctor's expectations have been reversed and that she walks out of that hospital, we'll never stop telling that story. Oh, why do we stop telling the story of God bringing us from death to life? Oh, it's not bland. Folks, this isn't cheap Folgers coffee kind of story. That was a joke. This is good, exciting, full-bodied kind of story that comes alive, that screams. So I want you to remember the gospel. I want you to remember the story. This afternoon, we're going to give you an opportunity to go and share that story with others. Outside, you're going to see that we've got some baskets there with some bracelets in there. I told you that this month we were going to be giving you some different resources to help you share the gospel. And this is just a little picture. Uh, It was in your life group curriculum today for those of you who do the sermon-driven stuff. And, And it's just five little symbols, an arrow pointing down that reminds us that Jesus came to earth. A cross that reminds us that he died. A rainbow reminding us that he rose from the dead and there is an empty tomb. There's an arrow pointing us up reminding us that he ascended into heaven. There's another one pointing down to tell us that on the bookends of it, he's coming back again. Folks, it should excite us to tell that story. Because the gospel is an amazing message. Look with me at these three points this morning. First, I want you to remember that the gospel is personal. When the shepherds came, they said to the to the to the shepherds. Ah, when the angels came, they said to the shepherds, "For unto who? For unto you is born this day." 
For unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now the gospel is good news for all people. They said that as well. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. For, for he shall be what? The Savior for all the people. But don't neglect as you think about the fact that the gospel is good news for everybody. Don't forget that the gospel is good news for you. It is personal. The gospel is an opportunity for every single human being who hears it to respond and to be saved. Folks, we've got to tell the gospel message with the full understanding that it is a personal gospel message. Last week we looked at John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. But we can also personalize this verse. For God so loved you that he sent Jesus. God loves you. He loves you. You. Even if it doesn't feel like it, He still loves you. Even if you don't deserve it, He still loves you. Even if you don't always enjoy it, God still loves you. Folks, we need to present the gospel as personal. We need to personally present the gospel, but we need to present it as a personal story, a personal invitation, a personal promise that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved and you can be a part of that all. Folks, do you do that? Are you willing to share it in a personal kind of way? To reach out your hand to somebody that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ and say, God loves you and God has an opportunity for you today to be one of his. I want everybody in the sound of my voice this morning to hear me say that God loves you. I'm not preaching merely to a a sanctuary filled with people. I'm preaching to individuals who need to hear this message. God loves you and God longs to have a personal relationship with you and God wants you to inherit eternal life. It doesn't do you any good to know that God loves all y'all. It doesn't do you a whole lot of good to know that everybody has a chance unless you have personalized it, unless you've understood it and owned it, that I have a responsibility to come to Christ, but I have an opportunity to experience fellowship and relationship with the King of glory who gave up his throne and came down to this earth as a child. Remember that the gospel is personal. Second, I want you to remember that the gospel is incredible. The gospel is incredible. In the case of the shepherds, the heavens split open and God's army declared Christ's birth. Now, those of you that have been with us for a long time heard me talk about this. But I'm going to step up on my soapbox again for those of you that might be newcomers to Malvern Hill. Okay? When you walk into the Christian bookstore, most of them are defunct now, but if you walk into the Christian bookstore, if they still have one somewhere, and they have those little pictures of little fat baby angels sitting on a shelf somewhere, throw them in the trash. Like, you really can't because you'll get in trouble because I guess that's like defacing somebody's personal property. But understand that that's not what an angel is. If that's what an angel was, the shepherds wouldn't have been terrified, right? They'd be like, oh, look at the little baby angel. Look how cute the little angel is. But it says that they were sore afraid in the King James. They were terrified. Why? Because when the Bible helps us to understand that the heavenly host, the multitude of the heavenly host, what is the heavenly host? That is the big, big group of them. What is that? It is God's army. Folks, angels are terrifying. What is the worst Christmas song of all time? It's Christmas shoes. Don't argue. You all know it's true. The second worst song that gets sung at Christmas song is time is that horrible song by Alabama about angels among us. Oh, I don't even understand why it's Christmassy. It doesn't make any sense. Do I believe there are angels among us? Yes. Do I want to see them? No, and neither do you. 
Folks, you want them to be around. You want them to be with you. We want to pray that God would send them to protect us. But, folks, you don't want to encounter one. Every time somebody encounters an angel in the Bible, what do they do? They fall dead like they're dead, right? Why, why are you laid out like that? Because I am scared to death, and if I move, you might kill me. It's only when they say, hey, hey, it's okay. The angel said, hey, peace. Why? Because they didn't have peace when he showed up, folks. If the heavens split open in a big, giant, glowing, soldier, warrior creature appears in the heavens, you don't look up and go, yes. Wow, thank you for coming to visit with me out here in the middle of nowhere. You're amazing. No, you look up and you go, Lord God, I am under judgment. Folks, the gospel is incredible. The story that the shepherds experienced is unbelievable. When they came, they didn't just show up. They showed up and they didn't kill them. And for them, that must have been a big deal, right? They didn't kill them. But not only that, they came and they brought them a message. They brought them good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Folks, this wasn't a foreign message to them. They've been waiting They've been waiting for the Messiah as the Jewish people for hundreds of years. Do you know what is unbelievable about this message? That it would come to the shepherds. Now, we tend to look at shepherds as these sweet little little fellows that run around with cuddly little sheep. The ancient world didn't view shepherds this way. Okay? According to, 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 to Jewish religious law, shepherds were unclean, but... Throughout most of the world, shepherds were also viewed as not only being unclean and outcast, but as being shady kind of characters. They were generally assumed to be dishonest, right? To be crooked. The angels appeared to them. Folks, when the shepherds come in telling a story, most people don't have time to hear that story. Do you understand? They, didn't, they weren't in the business or the practice of listening to shepherds tell them good news of great joy. They were in the business of making sure that the shepherds had not stolen from them, and instead God appears to them with this incredible message that's nearly unbelievable. The shepherds must have known when they heard this news that they were the last people on earth that really deserved to hear this news. That if anybody was going to know that the Messiah had been born, why wouldn't it be the religious leaders? But God chooses the humble of this world to shame the wise, doesn't he? How about this? When God saved you, he called you from darkness into his marvelous light. He literally brought you from life to death. He did for you what you did not deserve. While you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. If it's incredible that the, shep- that the angels would appear to the shepherds, that they would burst open the skies, that they would scream and declare and sing God's glory, that they would give an opportunity for the shepherds to be saved. They would give an opportunity for the shepherds to experience and to meet Jesus Christ right there in the manger. Folks, you and I have experienced the same kind of incredible privilege from the Lord in that he has extended to us an invitation to meet his son. The gospel gives you life and hope and joy. The gospel gives you not only life, not good life here, but eternal life. Remember, the gospel is incredible. Remember it. Reflect upon it. Allow it to run inside you. Remember that experience you first had. 
when you gave your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, when He invaded you with His beautiful, glorious grace and He cleansed you, remember how bad it felt when you first understood the depths of your sin. Remember the terror of knowing that as a result of your sin you deserve hell. But the glory of learning that though we deserve everlasting torment separated from God, He has made a way for us on the cross of Calvary. Folks, it's incredible. It's unbelievable. And when we tell it as anything less, we rob God of His glory. And folks, it's no wonder people don't want to hear that story. Why does anybody want to hear a story? Well, tell me, why do you go to church? Well, I gave my life to Jesus one time. It's pretty good. What about this story instead? What, 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 tell me about your, why, why, do you, why do you tithe? Why do you wear that bracelet? Why do you go to church? Why, I like to fish on Sundays. Why do you do that? What if instead you said, let me have a seat. Let me tell you a story. You see, I was a sinner bound from hell, and God saw me right there in the middle of my mess, and he sent Jesus Christ to save me from my sin. What if instead you tell them the whole truth about how you'd look for salvation at the bottom of a bottle, but right there you didn't find anything but death and despair, but Jesus picks you up out of the miry mess and set your feet on the rock that is Christ, and he's given you a new life. What if you tell them the whole story about how your marriage was in shambles, but you both came to Christ, and somehow, amid all impossible expectations, God remade your marriage? What if you tell the story about how God reached down and saved your children and gave them hope? What if you tell the story about how you prayed and prayed and God answered and he saved your grandkids? What if you tell the story about how God has taken your mess and made it into something glorious and beautiful and a trophy for his grace? What is salvation? I gave my heart to Jesus. Really? No, it's so much more. God saved you. He saved you, he saved you, he saved you. We got to stop getting over the fact that God saved us. Remember that the gospel is incredible. And then finally this morning, that's right, fastest sermon ever. We're not finished yet. Remember that the gospel is contagious. The gospel is contagious. It's flu season. Now, if y'all walk out... Guests, those of you who are with us this morning who aren't going to stay for the business meeting. You're going to walk out and you're going to see that back there by the back door in one of those little windowsills, I have like the giant gallon jug of hand sanitizer. Okay, It's flu season. And I regularly pump that stuff in my hands as I shake, my, shake hands with you all on your way out the door. I'll shake about six hands. I pump some stuff in there. I clean it up. You cough in your hand and shake my hand. I'm going to shake it and then I'm going to bathe in that stuff. Okay? And some of y'all do it. I've seen you, and you stick your hand right out. Right? In love, I shake your hand. But folks, in my heart, in my heart, I'm throwing up. Right? I'm just terrified. <laughs> Don't do that to me. Go for the elbow. It's really not that hard. And if you do, do just like go. I'm, if you're going to shake with your right hand, get, do me a favor and cough in your left elbow. Get me as far away from that mess as you can. Last year when the flu got so bad, like my family had the flu, all of y'all had the flu. I show up on Sunday, there's like six people to preach to. Y'all, I'm rubbing that stuff in my beard, right? <laughs> rubbing it on my tongue. I'm like, ah, just, just Lord, save me from. The flu's contagious in case y'all didn't know. Folks, the gospel's contagious. Tell me this. When people get around you, are they in danger of contracting the gospel? 
Do people have to sanitize themselves from your gospel presentations, from your gospel-centered life? Or have you so inoculated yourself to the incredible aspect of the gospel that you're no longer contagious? Some of you have taken some kind of gospel antibiotic. You've been on it long enough that you can be out in the public and you can still have the gospel without it being contagious. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Those of you that have kids, they come home from school, they got a fever, what do you have to do? You got to give them their antibody. You got to wait at least 24 hours. But as long as they're on that antibody and they got no fever, you still send them to school. They still have it, but they're, they're not contagious anymore. Some of you still have the gospel, but you're not contagious anymore. When a lost person comes into contact with you, are they in danger of getting saved? Danger, in air quotes. Is there a strong possibility that when they rub shoulders with you that they might just end up shaking a hand that's coated in gospel germs? The shepherds had a good story and they couldn't wait to share it. Everyone they came into contact with got infected with the message of the gospel. Look, they went with haste and found the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. What do we do if we try to translate it into Calpinian? That's people from Calpins, that's how they speak. We translate it this way. The shepherds couldn't shut up. They couldn't stop talking about it. Folks, they had met the Savior of the world in the flesh. Angels had split open the heavens and declared the glory of God. Folks, they couldn't quit talking about it. This is the worst kept secret on planet earth. Everybody that came around, they said, Hey, Johnny Shepherd's coming, y'all. If you don't want to hear about the angels, you might want to go somewhere else. Because look, he's going to tell that story when he gets here. They show up for dinner. Who's, who's coming to dinner tonight? Well, you know, Jim and, and Sarah and Susie and Johnny. Whoa, whoa, Johnny, you know, yeah. Can you tell him to shut up? Like, we've all heard the story. You know, well, we can try, but look, you know, like he's going to tell it. He can't help it. It's like it controls him. It compels him. Folks, why aren't people amazed by the gospel? Maybe they've not heard it the way that it was meant to be told. Maybe too many Christians have forgotten the joy of their salvation and they need to remember it. What's the story you tell all the time? You got them, don't you? We all do. It's the holidays. Thanksgiving's just passed. Christmas is around the corner. And you know what will happen? You'll gather there with your family and I know, I know that all of y'all do this. We all do. You'll gather there with your family. And at some point, you'll, you'll sit there with your siblings or cousins or aunts or uncles or your kids. And y'all are going to tell one of those same old stories all over again. And if it's like my family, the brothers are going to get together and we're going to retell one of those stories. And we're going to retell it because every time, every year, a kid gets old enough to maybe hear the story or experience the story or kind of relive the story with us 
Now, our wives, they just roll their eyes and walk away because they've already heard the story 187 times, but we keep on telling it. Do you love to tell the story of Jesus? Is it a story that you'll keep on telling? Do you love to tell people about how God saved you? Do you love to tell people about the God who came to earth as a baby, lived 33 years of sinless perfection, gave his life on an old rugged cross, beat the devil to death with that cross, overcame death, hell, and the grave, rose from the grave, lived on this earth for 40 days proclaiming his resurrection investing in his disciples ascended where he sits today at the right hand of the father and are you telling people that he's going to come again to judge the quick and the dead are you telling them do you love to tell the story about how God saved you about how God changed you about how against all odds God did something that only God could do and you want to give him all the glory because he is worthy you to join me this morning in remembering see we can read the old stories and forget to remember all the implications we can breeze through them and not take two minutes to reflect upon our favorite aspect of Christmas or two minutes to reflect upon the grace of God and salvation or two minutes to remember how your heart beat when God called you into salvation on that night or how the floor felt under your knees as you bowed at the altar in that church 30 years ago and asked God to save you you can forget how that last bottle smelled when you finally came to the end of your road and you cried out for mercy you can forget how broken you were before God changed you so I call on you today to remember. Remember what God has done. Remember it in full detail. Remember the tastes, the smells, the sights, the textures, the sounds. Do you remember the message the preacher preached on that day when you got saved? Do you remember the song that they sang? Do you? Do you remember the prayers of your mama? Do you remember the pleadings of your father? Do you? Do you read the stories and remember the rough manger in which that baby was laid? The glorious light of the glory of God as it shone around the shepherds. Do you? Do you remember how the light must have pierced the night sky? And how the dead of night became as noon of day. And the glory of God was all around them. Do you remember? If you do, will you join me in sharing that memory? Making it known. We're going to stand and we're going to sing this morning. And as we do, here's the invitation. Do you remember the amazing message of the gospel of Jesus? Because see, here's my great confidence is that if you remember it in all of its glory, in all of its splendor, in all of its power, if you remember it, you'll be hard-pressed to hold it in. See, the Bible says the shepherds went 
everywhere telling the good news. Why? Because they couldn't help it. This morning, will you remember? Will you reflect? Will you sing glory to the God who saved you? Perhaps you're here today. You say, Craig, I got nothing to remember except my sin and my shame. Folks, can I tell you that God can write for you a brand new story? He can take those memories and turn them into monuments of His grace and His forgiveness. If you're here today and you know that you need that very personal invitation from Jesus, that very personal gospel, because you're here today and you know that if you were to die today, you wouldn't inherit eternal life, but instead you would spend eternity in torment separated from God's love. If that's you here today, kind of tell you that God loves you right where you are. He can take your past and transform it into a present where He lives and reigns in your life and gives you hope. Would you come today? As we stand and sing, as the Lord directs you, would you come? Let me pray for us. Father God, I am grateful that Jesus is enough. Thank you that you saved us in Christ. Lord, I pray that we'd never get over the message of the gospel. Lord God, that it always challenge us, impact us, change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us as we sing this morning. How great the chasm.